Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hey, everyone. Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hello, welcome to the Five Yard Dynasty podcast with me, Rich Cooling. Um, so, concluding our positional previews, we have got another banger for you today. So, joining me to talk through the rookie tight end is Ali, or as you will probably know him, the Dynasty Grill. Um, Ali, welcome. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Rich. Looking forward to it. Yeah, very much so. I think it's probably giving you the the, the hardest, uh, I guess, positional preview. It's, uh, it's certainly not exactly the glamour position, is it, talking about tight ends? Not exactly, but um, it's it's a bit of a position that I've got a bit of a soft spot for, I have to say. Yeah, I think it's, uh, yeah, it could, could have been worse. It could have been last year's tight end class. Um, I think ho- hopefully there's a few more exciting names in this year's. Um so before we kind of dive into kind of talking through the, the players and, and those that, guys that are going to get drafted in a, a month and a bit's time, I mean, how are you kind of approaching the tight end position as a kind of an overall theme um, in your dynasty leagues? Well, personally, I play in a lot of tight end premium leagues. Um, so tight ends have been quite important to me to be honest um one of my favorite leagues is it's a two tight end league so um you have to stack the the tight ends especially in that league um but it's one of them position one of them positions where you can get a big advantage over your opponents if you have one of them top 
tight ends, especially in, in the Premium League. So it's I don't always go for a tight end early, but if you can, you know, grab one of the better ones um, or hit on a few, then it's uh, yeah, you get that advantage over your opponent. So it's it, it's not glamorous, but you need to put in the graft to to sort of do your research and look at ones that may be up and coming or um yeah yeah, so yeah i think for me i'm in tight end premium leagues i'm actually it sounds silly but i'm probably less likely to go early tight end Mm -hmm. because i think that it kind of it's people almost overvalue that tight end because it's a tight end premium league obviously that's not in every league but for a normal you know one ppr tight end league i'm i'm absolutely trying to get Kelsey everywhere I can to be honest um and I'm in I'm in one of those two tight end leagues like you mentioned and uh, it was actually an orphan that I took over and I had Hunter Henry and Mike Gazicki, which you know isn't isn't the worst but it's it's impossible because I, I hate it because literally nobody moves a tight end in that league because they are so valuable and so difficult to get every team in the league's rusting like five or six tight ends so I ended up picking up the only tight ends that were available were Ricky Seals Jones and Cahill Waring, and they've just oh. sat on my bench. So I've got four tight ends. So if it's if it's a um, a bye week for Gazicki or Hunter Henry, I'm absolutely screwed. But um, but yeah, I mean, with the sort of the rookie draft and approaching the tight end position, do you do you value going out and getting tight ends in rookie drafts, or do you try and avoid it? How, how do you kind of approach it? I generally try and avoid it, um, especially rounds one and two. Recent years have not been the best with the tight ends, apart from if you look at Hopkinson or Fant, you know, the Andrews, players like that. But generally, I try and avoid it. And I'll go sort of wide receiver, running back, quarterback, rounds one and two. And then if a tight end falls to me in round three, that's probably where I'm looking to, to take my shot with the tight end especially if I see he's got some upside. Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, it, it sounds like ridiculous, but unless there's a tight end that's drafted in the top 10 in the NFL draft, I, I basically avoid the position in rookie drafts, except a, you know, a, a fourth, fifth round flyer, really. I think for me, I, I just, I don't believe in rookie tight ends producing. And you normally find that, outside of those elite guys that get drafted high, you know, most undervalued tight ends you can probably pick up in sort of week four, week five of their rookie season cheaper than you acqu- than you would have acquired in the rookie draft. I mean, you've only got to look at this year, someone like Cole Komet, after five weeks of the season, basically did nothing early and, and you could have you could have got him for free pretty much anywhere. I think people are so quick to to dump those tight ends that they've just drafted. Um, it's slightly ridiculous. No, I completely agree. And the one example that I was really excited to take was OJ Howard, drafted to my own team, was a, a fairly high draft pick. I thought, I'm going to hit on this. And he had a couple of good seasons, but it's not been the best the last couple. Yeah, if it, it's beginning to feel like I'm one of the only OJ Howard believers. But I mean, the guy... Yes, he's he's never produced on his pick, but he was a tight he was a top five tight end in terms of dynasty value at one point. I think if you look at his sort of yards per route run stats at the beginning of the year, 
he was actually having an all right start to the season. Um, I'm, I've certainly tried to buy him. I think everybody now knows that I'm, I'm sort of an AJ Howard believer, so I can't really buy him anywhere else anymore. But um, I've tried to buy him as many places as I can because I just think that I expect the Bucks to move to more what they did at the beginning of last year, where Gronk is almost being used as a sort of a, an extra offensive lineman, hardly getting out on routes. And if OJ Howard is fit, I think he could actually be a, a decent option. Um, and certainly if, if the Bucks don't keep him in free agency, I'm quite hopeful. Um, so diving straight into the, the rookies. Now, obviously, I think everybody listening to this has, has heard of the, the number one guy on the board and might be kind of shocked. I mean, some of the hype is is absolutely mental and, quite frankly, out of control. Um, we're obviously talking about Carl Pitts, if you haven't guessed. But where where are you at on Carl Pitts? Are you buying into the hype and, and in love? Or are you sort of trying to cool off a little bit? Um, the, the love is actually growing for Carl Pitts, <laughs> especially when he had his unofficial 40 time, if it was it yesterday. Yeah, um, was the 4.46 it? that was crazy for a, a tight end is insane isn't it yeah so do you, do you think he can come in and be a you know a fancy viable tight end in, in sort of year one I think so because I think he's going to get the draft capital um, they, they said the last tight end to get picked in the top five was back in 1972 so I, I really think he's going to be in and around that that spot Um so he's going to get the draft capital, so they're going to want to use him. Um, obviously, we see tight ends don't really produce until sort of year two and three, historically. Um, but I think he's going to be, he could be the exception to the rule. Um, and I've always been, I was, from the start of the process, I thought, I'm not going to pick him early in rookie drafts. If he's there towards the back end, the first round or the middle, then fine. But... <clears throat> He's sort of moving up the rankings a bit more. <laughs> sort of <laughs> just looking at the film, it's just it's unbelievable um, the way he can move at that size. The the hips that are so um, fluid, um, the way he lines up cornerbacks and then just bursts past them sort of with, a, with a change of direction. That's that's just crazy. Um, he's just bigger. He bullies them, even the decent ones. Um, but to me, I can see myself picking him top five of my rookie drafts. Yeah, I think, you know, for me, we hear the phrase match-up nightmare used far too often with tight ends. And I think that, you know, anyone that's athletic and sort of six foot three plus, you know, two, 240 pounds plus, we go, oh, they're, they're too big for DBs and they're too far for linebackers. But to me, that phrase has never been more apt with someone like Carl Pitts. He is an absolute physical freak. I think he he is too big for TVs. I think he's probably too big for a lot of linebackers, to be honest. And he moves, so, as you said, so fluidly. I think his route running is good. I think it's it's not as great as a lot of people are portraying. I think he can set up defenders well in base he uses his stem quite well in order to get dbs and linebackers off balance and, and kind of dictate the route i think where he struggles is that he struggles releasing in line and i think that that's going to be the question at the next level is that is he going to be able to release in line 
consistently or will we see him used like a Mike Gazicki where he's lining up as a receiver like 80-85% of the time um, I think you know he, he is a complete freak athlete I think as you said you know with his fourth time with the way he's you know if it's a shame we don't get to see him perform at a combine because it would be absolutely phenomenal um, his blocking you know let's be honest we don't really care about it from a fantasy perspective but the NFL guys do you know not great I think he's it's solid. He's a willing blocker. I think his issue is his hand placement. It's quite poor. Um, but I think a, a couple of years in the NFL will sort that out. I don't buy into this type of, oh, he's, he's going to be a wide receiver at the next level. I do think he will be used more like a traditional tight end than someone like Mike Kaziki. But I'm excited by the prospect of him, you know, in that we, I talk a bit about that exercise situation i think for me that's the dream for tight ends where you've got trips to one side and you've got your you know your um tight end lined up wide to the single side and you're basically dictating to the defense you need to show us what coverage you've got if you stick a linebacker over on him then we're going to go deep if you stick a corner on him we know that we can get the ball in his hands and he win early and if or if you shade a safety over then we just go to the trip side and i think that that he is a true kind of, again, hate the phrase, but queen on the chessboard in that he dictates the defence what you're going to do. And I think that if he gets in a situation with an exciting forward-thinking offence coordinator, I'm probably not going to say he's going to be re- truly fancy relevant. And I think for me, a tight end needs to be sort of a top five guy for me to class him as truly fancy relevant. But I think that from year two on, once he truly integrates and, you know, gets in an NFL weight room, it, not from a physical standpoint, but from a, you know, a technique standpoint, I think the sky's the limit, to be honest. Yeah. You, you want him to land with one of the sort of young offensive coordinators. Um, but then you also don't want to have too many weapons like, like a Dallas or someone like that, um, where it could possibly take away from him. Um, but Thinking of the rookies, I've got him, Nigel Harris and Jamar Chase as the, the blue chip players um, in, in a one QB league. Um, so where would you be happy taking him in a rookie, in a super flex rookie draft? So I think I, I did a thread on this, what would it have been, probably a month or two ago. And I was saying that I couldn't, I started, went into the kind of thought process thinking that the hype of him going in the, the 104 to 106 range in, in rookie drafts was absolutely mental and I couldn't get my head around it. But I decided to kind of dive in and see what's the, the chance that he becomes that truly elite difference maker at the position. Um, and basically the thought process was, as I said, that for him to be a difference maker at that end, he needs to be a top performer uh, more than once. And so if you look at, again, this is using Pete Howard's model, who's, you know, does fantastic work. And he basically says that the hit rate of a first round draft pick at the tight end position in terms of the NFL draft, of him producing multiple top five seasons is 50%. Whereas if you took, for example, a running back, the chances of a running back producing multiple top five seasons from a second or third round pick, which we're expecting Harris and Etienne, I know there's some talk about first rounds, we're expecting them to be second round, is about between 30% and 25%. Okay, So for me, if you're saying Cole Pitts is going to produce multiple top five seasons and 
Najee Harris is going to produce multiple top 12 seasons, okay, they would probably be similar in terms of their value, in terms of positional value. But you're saying that Kyle Pitts has got a 50% chance of that happening and Najee Harris at max 30% chance of that happening. For me, that screams that actually taking Kyle Pitts at 104, I think is probably where I'd feel comfortable. Um, But I think that if you're going to do that, you need to do that with the thought process that he won't contribute to your team in year one. And I think that his value is only going to go down in that first year. And I think, you know, I preach all the time about you is about value is about roster value and you've got to sell at the peak. And I don't think you're going to hit that peak for, for Carl Pitts for probably two, three years. And you need to accept that. Whereas I think that Najee Harris could come in in year one and be valued as a, a top five running back and his price will probably double from the moment you draft him if he produces in year one. And I think that that's, you know, you almost need to take it off. I'm taking this pick. It will be better for me in three years, but it's not going to be better for me in year one or year two. Yeah, absolutely. It's that, it's that argument of if you could see 10 years ahead, if you could say Pitts is going to have the career of Travis Kelsey or at a similar level, um, would you think about him even earlier? Would you think about him above Najee Harris? Um, yeah. If you think I mean, that... uh, Travis Kelsey has been a top five by tens in terms of dynasty value for 76 consecutive months, according to DLF, which wow. is the, the record in terms of longevity of a player at the top five. I mean, it's absolutely mind-blowing. But if, you're, if that's what you're expecting from Cole Pitt, then that's incredible. But I would just caution that whilst I'm I'm all in on the hype of Carl Pitt, that, you know, as I always say, the only place really for his value to go is is kind of down. So I mean, I presume he's he's both of our tight end one in this in this class. Am I right in thinking that? Yeah, definitely. How how high have you got him kind of overall at the tight end position? Um, so he's probably gonna fill in probably about six um straight away. Probably yeah. doesn't really matter where he lands. Um, he's, he's obviously got the opportunity to to rise higher than that, um, but I don't think I'd have him any lower than about six. Yeah, yeah. I I think so. I've got him. I've not. I don't put rookies in until draft capital is in because that's quite a big part of my model is draft capital. Um, and I think projecting it'll be a top ten pick. He'll probably fit in in my sort of third tier. Will be tight end five to tight end eight. Oh, yeah, sim- similar sort of range. Um, but yeah, very, very, very excited, that is for sure. Um, so moving on to my tight end two. Um, so this is a guy that broke out at age 18 um, in terms of a, a big college in terms of Miami. Um, obviously, fantastic career as a tight end, fantastic ability Another freak athlete, let's be honest, runs a, a decent route tree, can line up as, as, as a YA flexed out or, again, as an inline blocker, um, and that's Brevin Jordan. So what do you kind of make of Brevin Jordan? Where, where are you at? Yeah, I really like Brevin Jordan. I've got him – so there's three slash three-and-a-half tight ends here that I, I really quite like, and he, he's my tight end three of the class, um, but he's a bit – I'll call him his Carl Pitts light. So he's 
he's he got, he's got all the similar attributes to, to to Pitts, but it just doesn't quite do him quite as well. But he's that freak athlete that you see him. You can take catches and and actually outrun defenders, which is again very unusual for that position. Um, yeah, I mean he's productive. Um, yeah, so I've got him as my tight end three. Um, yeah. And again, I, I see his ceiling probably not as high. So probably he slots in about sort of eight to ten range in my my overall dynasty rankings. Really? Okay. I think yeah. you're. By the sounds of it, you're probably a little bit higher on him than I am. I I like him, um, but I I'm concerned with how he's going to get used at the NFL level because I've, I've got in my notes here that blocking is non-existent, and I think. That could be a bit harsh. I think he 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 tries to block. He is a willing blocker, but his his technique is awful. And I think he, whilst he's got the body, I don't think he's got the the technique and the the ability to be an, a great inline tight end. And I think that just slightly caps his ceiling because I don't think he's the freak matchup that Carl Pitts is. And I think that you'll probably see someone like Brevin Jordan for me settle into. I know I talked earlier about Mike Gazicki. And I think that's probably his ceiling. Um, so I think I've got him in that sort of 12 to 16 range currently. Um, yeah, he, he he could, if you know, if he hits his ceiling, his ceiling is absolutely, you know, tight end one, tight end two in, in terms of he is a complete three. And he could be incredible. But I just worry that he's a little bit one-dimensional. Um, and I think that the NFL teams will probably undervalue him slightly um I still like him let's be honest he's my tight end two in this class so it's not like I hate him at all so um so who who do you have ahead of him is is it the next guy on our list it certainly is yes yeah so so Pat, I want to say Freemuth I've I've heard maybe 20 <laughs> different pronunciations of his surname so if you're listening I do apologize you can feel free to message me and tell me how to pronounce it um so what do you make of Pat so yeah Pat uh, Friar move, Friar move. Um, I call him Baby Gronk because uh, he he sort of he moves a bit like like Gronk. He's sort of got the same build. Um, he's he's not the freak athlete that that Jordan and Pitts is, but he's more the the standard tight end. But I just like his sort of nasty play style. He's 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 always playing aggressive. Um, he seems to his film. It's not I don't know how to describe it, but he's always taken hits. Um, but yeah, he's he's impressive for his size. Um, there's a lot of catches that he had to catch down low that he pulled off that you thought, well, he's not going to catch that, and he did. Um, he's a savvy receiver, so he's quite good at finding areas in the zone where there's no defenders. Um, um, and yeah, so he's best used finding their mismatches on the field. You can line him up. He's mostly inside, but you can line him up on the outside. Um, and he's got a nose for the end zone, which is always crucial for fantasy. Um, so yeah, he's, he is my tight end too. But he's he's in that tier two with with Brevin Jordan, um, quite obviously quite far away from Pitts. How do yeah. you how do you see him? Yeah, so I've I've got them back to back in terms of obviously the rankings at tight end. I've also got them back to back in my overall rankings of rookies. Um, to be honest. I, they're in my tier two. You could probably call it tier four in terms of the gap between these two and Carl Pitts. Um, it's, I, I like free move. I think, again, you know, we, we've basically, you could copy and paste everything I said about Brevin Jordan and put it in here. It's a different college. It's a different, you know, 
different um, system. But, you know, he's, he's a big physical matchup nightmare. I think his blocking is questionable. I think he, he's better than Brevin Jordan in terms of that side of the game. I think he'll be used more in line than Brevin Jordan. But again, I, I like him. He's good. He's, you know, you use the word solid. And I think that's what he is to me. I don't get the wow plays that I get from Jordan. But I also, you know, Jordan, we see a few kind of concentration drops. And I think there's perhaps more negative plays from Jordan. I think Fremuth is is just going to come in and he'll probably be solid. He'll probably be fantasy relevant, you know, in that five to 20 range of tight ends. He'll probably have sort of three or four seasons in there. And, you know, he, he's, he's never going to be a an absolute stud for me at the next level. And this this is where I try to avoid tight ends in terms of rookie drafts. So I just think that, yeah, he'll probably come in. He'll probably take a year or two to acclimatise to the NFL. And probably pick him up in a year or two for free off, off a waiver wire or when someone's trying to get rid of him in a trade. I just don't think the ceiling is is there for me. Yeah, no, I, I see that as well. We're getting to the level now where is they're going to be the back end of rookie drafts, aren't they? Um, but I thought he was unlucky. He only had the four games in 2020 where he was actually really quite productive in them four games. Yeah. Um, so he, he could have put up some big numbers for the season. Um, but is he someone that you're not going to touch? Yeah, I, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, as I sort of said, my my sort of rookie approach at the end, I would rather take a flyer on a running back at this point in the draft because I think they're more likely to hit and recoup value quicker. I think that for a tight end to basically boom in terms of value, he'd have to be pretty incredible quite quickly. And I just don't think it happens very often at the, at the time position. So I would rather in my third, fourth rounds, even at the back end of the second, I'm looking to take flyers at running back because let's be honest, most positions have similar chance of hitting, but I'd rather hit on a running back because if you hit on a running back, you can sell them quickly and get massive value. Whereas if Frem, if, even if he comes in and has a good rookie season, you know, you, we talked about Cole Komet earlier. Cole Komet came in, had a slow start, but produced down the back end, you know, had, had a decent finish to the season. And he's now being valued around, you know, Titan 12. He's probably sort of a, you know, around, I wouldn't know off the top of my head, but probably around the sort of 100 to 130 range in terms of start picks. Well, that's probably worth like a, a late second to a third, well, well, that's what you spent on Cole Komet. So even though he's produced and, and had a decent rookie season, you're only able to sell him for basically what he's worth. And I think for me, with this sort of point in the draft, I would rather take a lottery ticket that you know could completely blow up like a you know an Antonio Gibson. If you got him at the back end of the second or third round last year, you're laughing. Or if they don't produce you can just move on and, and you're, you're not wasting the roster spot. I guess I, I like to churn those back-end positions on my dynasty teams where I'm not sort of got those roster cloggers, as, as Ryan McDowell would say. Yeah, I, no, I think I'm with you there. And probably for that reason, I won't have many many shares of Frymouth um, or possibly Jordan. Yeah, I think there's, 
there's probably a, a few other tight ends that will probably come off the board in, in this sort of range in terms of the NFL draft. I think there's a few competent blocking tight ends. Um, for me, my tight end four is probably the best blocker of my five in terms of the five we're going to talk about today. I think he could quite quite possibly sneak up into that sort of second or third round range just because I think he is a better all-round tight end. Um and that's Hunter Long. So, I mean, what what do you think of kind of Hunter Long as a, a prospect? Yeah, he's, he's exactly that. I think NFL teams could fall in love with him a bit because of he is a complete tight end. He's not quite, to me, it doesn't seem like he's got quite the, the build that the others have got. Um, but I've called him Mr. Reliable. He's He's effective, but he's just not spectacular. None of his plays scream out, wow, you know, the wow factor. Um, but... But then you look at his numbers, and he he produced. Um, he was uh, he scored plenty of touchdowns um, in twenty twenty, which is if you look at you know fantasy production to be you want tight ends who were going to possibly you know score the touchdowns. That's what gets you the points. Um, so for that reason, I can see teams falling in love with him and probably him going higher than he possibly should be. Um, but for me, his He's my tight end five of the group. Um, just for that reason, he's. I cut. I probably want to go for upside at this point, and he's just that sort of standard tight end that, for me, is probably in the sixteen to twenty range. Maybe, maybe that's quite high, um, but but I don't see much much upside to him. He's probably best in a in a team that will operate the two tight end set. Uh, rather than being the feature tight end, but but yeah, he's blocking. He's he's probably the best blocker in the in this class comfortably. Yeah, I think he's going to be a dare I say it, an old school offensive coordinator's dream in terms of he is not exciting. He is you know he's not a freak, but he there are a very few negative plays. He is a solid blocker. You can line him up and he's going to do his job. I don't think he's you know, in that elite tier where he's going to be able to go up against the end one-on-one in, in whether it be the pass pro or, or in the run game. I think he is going to need some help in that side of things. But he, he's just really unexciting. He he takes what you get him in the pass game. He doesn't have much yak. He's a pure possession receiver that will basically catch the ball and, and probably fall down within a couple of yards. He, you know, he doesn't break many tackles. He doesn't you know, isn't fantastic in the open field. I think he's just a, a, a running back as, as ham and eggers, and, and that's exactly what he is for me. He's just a, a ham and egger at the tight end. Yeah, product. He, he, you know, he had the most. Well, he was only second behind Pitts in terms of yardage for, for the season, which which tells you something that he he was obviously um, you know useful at Boston College. They they liked him a lot, and I can see someone taking him on and developing him sort of sort of two, three-year project, and maybe in that third year, he can um, he can start producing a bit like Cole Komet or someone like that, where he might raise up raise up the rankings, but I can't see him ever hitting sort of tight end one area. Yeah. For, for me, he's, his season is that really annoying tight end that you have in your dynasty roster that you never feel happy starting, but he's too good to drop, so he just sits on your bench every year and he'll have a couple of games where he'll blow up and, and be fantastic and you think oh I'll start him and then you start him and he'll have 
three targets for one reception and five yards and, and you end up shooting yourself in the foot. I just I just don't see him ever being a really exciting stud at the position as such. And then my one honestly one of one of my favourite players in this position, I think he is yeah, he, he's had a, a very strange college career in terms of obviously he's moved around a couple of places. I keep I, honestly, I've called him Tony about ten times whenever I type him up, but it's it's Kenny Yaboa. So, um, so what do you think of uh, Tony's son, Kenny? I, <laughs> I I love Tony Yaboa as well. That, that, yeah, I kept thinking of him as well. Um, so he's my tight end four, and I just I fell in love with him actually watching his his film. Um, he he just he has some flashy plays that are just pretty spectacular. Um, He's, he's in that athletic mould of, of the Jordan and the pits um, where he, he can take a ball and, and take it sort of 60 yards, um, which is something I looked for really in a, in the tight end at this, this stage. Um, he had that one big game against Alabama uh, where he had sort of 100, 181 yards, two touchdowns. He had a, a 68 yarder and a 50 odd yarder, which was just impressive. Um and yeah, again, he's going to be sort of a third day, you know, grab. Um, but to be honest, I think I might take a flyer on him in, in a couple of my leagues just to roster him because I just think he's quite exciting. And I think his potential is, is going to be way beyond where he gets drafted. Yeah, I, I think he is he is the perfect kind of stash tight end that, you know, you could easily see being being a stud in you know being a startable tight end in three four years my concern is is that I think he's running out of years you know he, he spent five years in college we saw four years at Temple where he didn't really do much okay he's, he's gone to Ole Miss and he's had a really good year you know he, he almost outproduced his entire four-year career at Temple in terms of yards receptions and and touchdowns in the one season with Ole Miss. So it was a true breakout. I think he's, you know, you've hit the head. He's a fantastic athlete. I think his route running is poor. I think he's going to, for him to utilise that athletic potential, he's, he's going to have to really work on that. And I think that any team that's drafting him is basically drafting him and saying, we think he could be usable in a year or two. And I think that he's not young. He's 22. As I said, he had five years in college. I wonder if by the point at which he, you know, he becomes usable, he's already hitting that 25, 26 point and approaching his second contract. I just don't know if an NFL team is going to be willing to spend the draft capital to go and get him and then, you know, say, yes, you're a project. We'll, we'll give you the, the time to develop as such. I worry that he's destined to sit on someone's practice board um, and sort of end up breaking out on his potentially a second or third team or so. He could, he could, I could very well see him being that Chris Herndon <clears throat> where everyone's excited for what he can do, just never quite, you know, quite make it. And uh, he's like Herndon is a guy that I've stashed on a lot of teams and he's just frustrating because I think this is, the, this is the year, this is the year, but we never quite see it. I feel like that was a direct shot at me because uh, <laughs> this time last year I was, I was, I was loving some Chris Herndon. I think, yeah, he, he's, he is a similar type of player in that I think if he puts it all together... His his ceiling is is absolutely you know very much a end to end a usable weekly starter, um, 
but I think his his floor is out of the league in two years. Um, I, I really think he, he is a, a boom bust play. Yeah, but by all means, you know, go take a flyer him at the the sort of fourth fifth round of, of your rookie drafts. But I worry that he'll just be a roster clogger. And I think for me, I'd I'd rather go and take a flyer on a as I said a, a running back or a wide receiver that that could hit. Yeah, so I certainly kind of argue he's not exactly polished, but I just I just see the potential. So yeah, so I mean, if we're going to dive into the the quick fire rounds, but I mean, how do you see the class? Are you as kind of negative on it as me in terms of its Carl Pitts and then nothing at all? Are you are you kind of higher or, or where do you sit? Um, it's a little bit like that. Um, in terms of looking at last year, I'm quite excited about it. Um, but but yeah, it, it really is sort of grab Carl Pitts or, or no one really. It's Brevin Jordan is interesting, but... The mocks that I've been doing, he's been going too high for me to take him. Um, so possibly have some fry move shares, um, but it's it's not the most exciting class. Um, but hopefully, I end up with some pitch shares because I think I'm going to regret it if I don't take some. Yeah, luck- luckily I've got I'm in three Devi leagues and I've got two pitch shares, so I'm I'm I've got I've got enough pitch shares that I'm not going to be disappointed if I don't. Don't feel like I need to go and get him in uh, in a lot of my rookie mock drafts. Um, I think that Pitts is one of these guys that you could easily see getting overdrafted. And I know I talked earlier about I I would take him sort of 104 in a 1QB league. And I think in a super flex, I'm probably around that sort of 105, 106 range. Um, but I do think that the hype could be out of control um, in that if he does go as a you know, a top five, top 10 in the NFL draft and we don't see any running backs drafted day one, we could easily see him being the first non-quarterback and off the board in sort of super flex draft. That would be, that'd be pretty insane to think about actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so diving into the quick fire round then, Ali. So tight end with the highest ceiling. And by the way, you're not allowed to answer Carl Pitts for every single answer. <laughs> I've actually prepared my answer with not Carl Pitts as, as any of them. That's fantastic. I thought you might say that. <laughs> <laughs> so who's got the high ceiling? So I think it's Brevin Jordan for me. I just think if if a team can fall in love with him and use him in the right way, I think he's got he's got the highest ceiling. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I def- definitely agree. I think yeah, I'm, I'm probably lower on him than most, um, but I do think that his ceiling, as I said, is you know, elite as such. What about the highest floor? Um, so Frymouth is my highest floor. Uh, I think he, he's probably the most polished. Um, so you can see a team liking him. He's, he's a pretty good blocker. He's not the best blocker, but he sort of does everything that a team, an NFL team would probably want, just doesn't do him as well as Pitts or, or possibly Jordan. But I think he's probably got the safest floor. Yeah. And is he the wide receiver that you bet your life on as well? He is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what about best player at cost? So this is um, Tony Kenny Yeboah for me. Okay. Uh, just just because I think that nobody's looking at him and uh, he's going to be either not drafted um, or drafted very late. So um, I'll be taking him in sort of the last round of my rookie drafts. If not, if I think that he could sneak, at, you know, not be drafted at all, I'll be happy about that. But But yeah, he's probably the one that I think at cost... He's probably the cost is zero, so anyways, <laughs> <Why> he's <not? laughs> out. 
Uh, what about your favourite sleeper? Uh, it's Tony Kenny Burke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he's he's a sleeper. I just think that you could you could well be right, and he could be out of the league in two years' time. But if, if it's still all about landing spot for him, I think if they can use him, I expect sort of year two or th- three, if he's still there, that he could really make some inroads. Yeah. I think I think the NFL are going to tell us a lot about how they see him in terms of where he's drafted. You know, if he's a day two prospect in terms of he gets drafted in the second or third round, then I think that that's saying that he, you know, a team sees the potential and will utilize that. If he ends up being a you know a fifth sixth round pick, then yeah, that that's probably going to tell us that they only see him as you know a camp body that they might stash on a practice year or two. And at that point, I don't want him. If if he does end up going in the third round, I'll probably be a little bit more interested than I am at the moment. Absolutely. Fantastic. Well, thank you ever so much for coming on. It's been fantastic to have you. Um, so, so where can the guys, where can everybody find you, Ali? Uh, so you can find me on my Twitter page. I'm on there all the time. So FF Dynasty Grill is my, is my hash, is my, um, is my page. So yeah, visit me there and I've got some, uh, got some cool articles coming out shortly. And where, where are you writing at the moment? Uh, so I'm writing for the Touchdown and King Fancy Sports, um, and there's also something else in in the pipe, pipeline. A nice, a nice little tease for the podcast. Fantastic! Well, I very much look forward to to hearing. Um, I love reading all your stuff, so keep up the good work. And uh, we will see you all again next week. We've got a, a very exciting podcast next week. We've got um, Dave Wright, also known as FF underscore Spaceman. He's coming on to do us uh, kind of an introduction to the, the deeper data side and the sort of analytics of fantasy football. So, uh, so keep listening, guys, and we'll see you again next week. HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 